Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? You guys excited to be in the house of God today? Come on, give them some praise today if you're glad to be here. Come on now. Well, I'm excited for the word of God this morning. How many of you just need to hear from God? You say, Lord, I just need a good preaching after the week that I've had. Come on, show me your hands today. You're saying, Pastor, yes, that's me. Well, I hope today, as we open up to the book of Numbers, chapter 11, as we get ready for this word, Numbers chapter 11, beginning at verse 4. Why don't we stand in reverence for the word of God today? Just pray silently for a second and just say, Lord, speak to me through our pastor and bless this service. Lord, I just thank you for this time. Thank you that we've all gathered. And I pray, Lord, that this not be just a gathering, a time that we just sing songs, but let it be, Lord, that today you reveal yourself. You show us our hearts and you transform us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Numbers chapter 11, verse 4. It's the word of God says. Then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things in Egypt. And the people of Israel also began to complain. How many complainers do I have in this house? Come on. Or for some meat, they exclaimed. They said, we remember the fish we used to eat in Egypt for free. Like free food, right? Well, they said, we love the free food in Egypt. We had all the cucumbers, melons, onions, garlic we wanted. But now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. All we ever see is this manna. Verse 18, God said, tell the people to purify yourselves for tomorrow you're going to have some meat to eat. You are whining and the Lord heard you. You know that God hears your whining? You were whining and the Lord heard you when you cried. Oh, for some meat. We were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you Meat. Notice, now the Lord is going to give you meat and you will have to eat it. And it won't be for just a day or two or five or ten or even twenty. You will eat it for a whole month until you gag. Until you're sick of it. For you have rejected the Lord who's among you. And you have whined. To him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? Man, verse 31, that's where we close the story. Now the Lord sent wind that brought quail from the sea and let them fall around the camp. For miles in every direction there was quail flying about three feet above the ground. So the people went out and caught quail all day throughout the night and all the next day too. No one gathered less than 50 bushels. They spread the quail all around the camp to dry. But while they were still gorging themselves, 
And this meat, while it was still in their mouth, the anger of the Lord blazed against the people and he struck them with a severe plague. So that place was called Hebroth Hatapha, which means, notice this, graves of gluttony. Because there they buried the people who had craved the meat. You guys can have a seat. We give God praise for the word of God today. Man, what a story. I don't think this is a story you tuck your kids in with, but it's amazing that they began to whine to God. They began to just look around their lives and want more. And these are the same people that God was bringing from Egypt, this land of bondage and slavery, that in the beginning they cried out to God because they didn't like Egypt. And now as God got them out of Egypt, they're crying again because they want to go back into that same place of bondage. So sometimes I believe that we don't know what we want. What is it? Do you want Egypt? Do you want the promised land? You want God to get you out of this, but then here you are going back to it. What is it that you want from God? So the people were traveling on this desert on their way to a better place, the promised land. But what's so sad about this passage is the Bible says that they were in this place called Paran. And now this is where everyone, most of them died for craving meat. And where they died, it was just three days away from the promised land. In other words, they were so close to seeing the promise fulfilled. They were so close to seeing God work an amazing blessing. But just three days away is where they failed. See, some of you here today, you don't realize how close you are to your breakthrough. You don't know how close you are to the amazing miracle that God's ready to do in your life. But sometimes we fall short. Because along the journey, you see, a lot of us, the problem that we have is we can't pass the test of the journey to where God is taking us. But the journey is where God prepares you for the blessing. And the reason that God puts you through this journey is because he's preparing your character for the blessing. Because if you don't have character for the blessing, your character is going to ruin the blessing. So you need the journey. But I don't like the journey. You don't like the journey, but you need the journey. Where are all my whiners at? Come on. Just nod your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. Come on. Man, we whine so much over what we want. And the truth is, we don't really know what we want. We think we do. And sometimes what we want is not what we need. So why don't we end this and just trust God, huh? Let's just trust God. The Israelites were fine. You see, when I studied this scripture, I said, man, you guys were fine. Just going through the journey, three days away, you're almost there at the finish line. They were loved by God because he got them out of Egypt. He did miracles, he protected them. 
And the Bible says he even rained down this food from heaven called manna that was God's way of showing them provision. Because we serve a providential God who will meet your needs. That's what God says. I will meet your needs according to my riches. So every morning they got up and there it was. Manna. Food. And God says, gather enough for today. Don't you gather tomorrow, just get enough for today. So God was teaching this principle, not only that he's a providential God that will provide for your needs, but he was saying, I want you to only focus on me and today. Some of you are all caught up in tomorrow. Some of you are so sinful, you're in next year. You're in your 30s and you're worried about retirement. You're worried about 10 years from now. You're, wondering, you're way ahead of yourself. And God says, you want peace in your life? Could you handle today? Yeah, I could handle these 24 hours. Do it. And trust God tomorrow. So every day this miracle of manna was given just enough for that day to show love, to show provision for that day. Can you guys survive Sunday? Can we survive today? But you know why you can't enjoy Sunday? Because Monday freaks you out. You're worried about Monday and it's, you can't even enjoy Sunday. You're in an awesome church with awesome worship and a pretty great pastor. You can't enjoy it. Why? I'm worried about Monday. God says, hey, I'm in your tomorrow. Worry about today. Breathe. Relax. It's Sunday. Enjoy this day. This is the day the Lord has made. I will be what? Glad in it. I love how the Bible says, I will be glad in it, because a lot of us are in it right now. You're in some big problems. Be glad. Today, God says, worry about today, I got you tomorrow. And did you know that tomorrow came and God showed up again? Why? Because God is not a man that he should lie. So they're on this journey. Everything's great. Every morning, they're walking outside with their coffee at hand. I don't know why, their mug or whatever they used. And there it was. Manna. And they got the manna. They're like, man, God, thank you for being here today. I'll see you tomorrow. They got inside their tent, they ate their manna, they went on their journey, and on the way to their journey, someone, I don't know who it was, but it's that one person you're saying, that guy needs to be punched in the face. Some person opened their mouth and said, you know, this manna's great. And I'm thankful for this manna, but man, aren't you a little tired of seeing the same thing every day? 
hey, do you remember Egypt? You remember the food we had? Even though it was all a lie, they were slaves. They didn't have any of that. But anyway, you say, hey, do you remember the food, the onions, the fruit, the melons? Do you remember all of that? Man, what is, don't you wish you can go back and eat some of that? Every day is the same thing, manna. And those Israelites were like, hey, you're right. Every day is the same thing. Every day there is manna. And you're right. I'm tired of the same thing every day. And they actually began to whine about the very thing that God was blessing them with. They became bitter, angry, upset with God over the blessing that was actually in front of them. And see, if we're not careful, we fall victim to this. Maybe you're here this morning and you're complaining about something that should actually be something you're giving God thanks for because it's a blessing. But see, you know what the problem was? They began to complain. But it's not that they complained about the manna. It wasn't just the manna they were complaining about. The problem is the Bible says they were complaining because they said every day we see the what? Same thing. Same thing. I never noticed it, but this is where it, I'm like, Lord, I see it now. Some of you, you're tired of the same thing. Does it ever feel like God is just doing the same thing? Nothing changes, same thing. Every day stuck in the same thing. And as creatures, we are just tired. We want change. We want different. We want exciting. But God says, no, I'm going to put you through a season of same. Because the test of same is very difficult to pass. God had more for them. God had something different in the promised land. But that journey in the wilderness was a journey of same. God wanted to know, could you love me and trust me when nothing changes? Could you love me and trust me and have faith in me when it's all the same year after year and nothing changes? And am, am I still God to you? Am I still the one? Are you still loyal to me when I take you through this journey and you feel stuck because nothing changes every day, day in and day out? Same thing, same problems, same people, same life, same same, same. It's like, you ever watch an awesome movie once and you're like, wow, 
And then you watch it a hundred times and it's now boring. What changed? Not the movie. It's just the same. I don't understand kids. They watch Nemo a thousand times and they treat it like it's the first time. They still act surprised. I'm like, you've seen it a thousand times. Why do you still go, oh. It's the same fish. But maybe that's why God says, I want childlike faith. That even when something is the same and nothing changes, life is still something to be thankful and excited about. But it just feels like God is just putting me through the same thing. And I'm tired of routine. Life is routine. Don't let Instagram or Facebook lie to you like people are living this exciting, different life every day. Life is routine. Come on, say it with me. Life is routine. See, right now it's true. It's Sunday. Same Sunday as every Sunday, right? You took the same route. Some of you parked in the same space to walk in the same church hey, with the same people, with the same worship, same song, same pastor, same. Some of you have the same chair. That's my chair. I know exactly where to find you. That's your, your, same. And then when church ends, sometimes at the same time, you're going to drive and maybe eat the same lunch to go back home. And then Monday comes to wake up at the same time, to go in the same car, to go to the same job, to deal with the same boss and the same people, to drive back in the same traffic, to go back in the same house with the same kids and the same spouse, to go back and watch the same show and go back to sleep, to wake up and it's Tuesday and guess what's the same? Just like Monday. And you're hoping for the weekend. And it's the same type of weekend. To go back to church Sunday. For the same thing. That's life. The devil's like, you need something different. Why? So you can get something different and a week later, same thing. You know, God is the same. Hebrews 13, 8, God says, I'm the same. Listen, Jesus Christ is the what? Same. Yesterday, today, forever. God says, I don't change. I'm the same. And I like it like that. You imagine if God acted like us? 
And one day, he's faithful, and he has grace and mercy. But that was yesterday. Today, I'm angry and mad, and I'm full of rage. But then Wednesday, I'll come back to being good and graceful. It depends how I wake up. No, you know what God says? No matter what the day brings, I'm the same yesterday, today, forever. I'm always loving. I'm always merciful. I'm always graceful. If I was loving yesterday, I'll be loving today. I'll be loving forever. If I was a providential God yesterday, I'll be a providential God today and one forever. Who I am yesterday is who I am today and is who you can expect to be forever. God is same. That's why God doesn't whine. God's the same. The devil lies in this scripture. You're like, how, Pastor? You're crazy. I know I am, but listen, listen. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. You know what the devil does? Man, the devil says, ooh, I love that verse. I'm going to twist it around a little. And he comes up to you and he says, hey, today is just like yesterday, right? You know why? Because it's going to be like this forever. Come on now, who am I preaching to? Devil lies to you. Hey, you know what you're going through today? It's going to be this way forever. You, you know that, that what you're going through now, it, it, it's going to be this way forever. So when it comes to this, this idea of God being the same yesterday, today, and forever... The devil tries to lie to you and say, listen, today is just like yesterday because you're going to be going through this forever. It's never going to change. And this is the lie that the devil puts in us. He says, it's not going to change unless you take control of it and do something about it. Don't trust God. Trust yourself. Do something. It's how Abraham was convinced by his wife to sleep with his maidservant and have a child. Why? Because yesterday was the same as today, and it's going to be this way forever. I'll never have a son. And the devil said, that's true. God lied to you. It's been too long. Take it into your hands. And he messed up his life. I thought about Samson. Samson bit this lie too. We, we tend to think that his problem was lust. That's not in the scripture. His problem was sex. That's not in the scripture. You know what Samson's greatest fear was? Based on the conversation he had with his parents? Singleness. He wanted a wife. He wanted companionship. We know this because the only thing he did with Delilah mentioned in Scripture was just lay on her lap. Nothing sexual, nothing crazy. He just wanted a companion. But every day Samson woke up 
and it was yesterday was just like today. I'm still single, and I'm going to be single forever. So let me take it into my hands, go to Gaza. And you know, Delilah wasn't the first one. He was actually married to another bad girl named Timnah. And when that didn't work out, rather than doing it God's way and wait for the right one, he went to Delilah. And look where that got him. Why? Because the devil lied to him. It's the same thing, Samson. Even though Samson's parents told him, just wait, there's plenty of good ones out here. You got strong qualities. Listen. Samson said no. I'm going to do it my way. And I'm going to look for one. Abraham, Samson, Adam, Eve, same garden, same food, devil came up. Hey, yesterday is the same today, right? Yeah, it's going to be like that forever. Unless you want something different. <laughs> look at this fruit. Doesn't that look good? Come on, Eve. Eve, you got to get out of this routine, girl. Have something different. If you want something different. Something did change. Sin came into the world. And shame and brokenness. There's so many people in the Bible that craved. Because this message, I don't know if I told you the title of this message. Did I? No? Bad pastor. The grave of Crave. Because the place where these people died in the Hebrew is a name for grave. And there is a grave waiting for you when you begin to crave something not from God. My favorite one is David. It has to be David. David was a blessed man. 2 Samuel 12, 8, God says to David, I gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdom of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been what? Enough. I would have given you much, much more. But see, David convinced himself that where he was at was not enough. He wanted more. Therefore, he took his eyes off the blessing that he had, the grace that God had given him. He didn't see any longer the blessing of everything God had done for him. He was only focused on what he did not have, what he wanted, and he wanted it now. Does that sound like anyone today? So David's on the rooftop. He looks down and he sees Bathsheba bathing. And right there, he could have said, oh, I got to get out of here. But he said, hmm, you know, guys, what I'm talking about, hmm. Looks pretty good to me, he said. That's exactly what David said. He didn't see the grave. He only saw her. And David, walking in that rooftop, sees Bathsheba. And now he begins to crave. But you know why craving happens? 
Because first comes comparison. The Bible says that the Israelites began to compare where they were now to what? Egypt. And the reason you're craving so much more in your life is because deep down in your heart, you're comparing your life or yourself to something or someone else. So where you're at now, it's not good enough and I can get more because they have more. And I want more of what they have. And you begin to compare yourself. So David started drawing up comparison. You're saying, how did you do? No, prove it. I'll prove it to you. David was already married to a woman named Nikau. And Nikau had kids with David. So David's on the rooftop, and the Bible says in record that Mikhail was a nagging wife. Why are you naked? Why are you worshiping? You look crazy. You look stupid. David would come home to a nagging wife. And the devil's like, I can use that. So as David is on the rooftop, he sees Bathsheba, and in his little mind, he's saying, man... No, I can't do that to Mikhail. And the devil's like, oh, that same Mikhail that treats you like garbage? You know, after Mikhail had those kids, you know, she's put on a few. Look how good Bathsheba looks. Come on. David began to crave. And he took it into his own hands. And brought so much pain into his life. And David often described his life as a grave. I wonder if David described his life as a grave after he committed this sin. Because the grave will lead you only after you crave. And David's life was a mess. All because... It wasn't enough. It's where you're at right now, not enough. If God said right now, this is where it ends, I will do no more in your life, would you be okay with that? Most of us say, no. I need more, God. I'm tired of the same. I need something different, God. But see, the devil gets us. First, to compare. To make you feel like you're not where you're supposed to be. Because you don't have what you don't have. You haven't accomplished what you haven't accomplished. So something is wrong because look at everyone else. You need to be where they're at by now. Everyone else has it, not you. And where you're at is not enough. And if something is not enough, you naturally search for more. And the devil loves this. He'll convince you to compare. Because he knows once you fall into comparison, you begin to crave. And if you crave, you begin to complain. And when you complain, you tend to go the wrong way. He tells you this lie. Going back to our routine, the devil can lie to you. Same church, huh? 
Same as yesterday, Pastor David yelling at you. It will be like this forever. Same thing. Same bread. Don't you miss the Costco bagels? Why why they stop serving that? Same. You need a change. You gotta, you gotta leave this church. Come on, go find something else. Same job, huh? Same problem, same people, same boss that doesn't care about you. You need to quit. Same spouse. Same problems. Same thing. You know what you need to do. You need to finally commit to that little flirtatious relationship you have with that person. Commit and leave them. Don't act surprised. That the devil will convince you that your marriage is the same and you need to not change your marriage but change your spouse. And the Bible says in verse 6 that God got angry when they began to compare where they're at to Egypt. And they began to crave that what they had wasn't enough and began to complain. The Bible says that God got angry. And I asked myself, why? Why did God get so angry? And the answer is in this verse. He said, now the people said, our what? Appetites are gone. And all we ever see is this manna. You know why God got so angry? Because they lost appetite. You think, oh, Pastor, what, what is that about? That word appetite means desire. And if you get so caught up in your little comparison, and if you get caught up in all your complaining, you fail to see the actual blessings of God in front of you. And what happens is it angers God when you lose your appetite for the goodness of God. You've lost your desire for the very blessings God has done in your life. And when you no longer see it as a blessing, you will no longer desire it. And when you no longer desire it, you want to go to something else. I wonder, what have you lost your appetite about in your life? Some of you have lost your appetite for life. It's the same thing. I have no desire for life anymore, so I'm just going to live life moping like a zombie, just sad all the time, miserable all the time. I'm not going to smile. I'm not going to have joy. Why? I've lost my appetite for life. But don't you know that if you have life right now, you have a blessing from God. The fact that you woke up this morning with the breath in your lungs and health. It's a gift from God. Some of you have lost your appetite for your marriage. 
Your spouse is not as appetizing anymore. And you just say it's the same thing. We fight about the same thing. It's always the same yesterday and today. It'll be like this forever. But you don't realize that the Bible says whoever finds a wife finds a gift and favor from God. If you listen, buddy, listen, guys, come on. If you realize that the spouse you're looking at, husband or wife, you're looking at right now, if they're here next to you, you look at them right now, you look at them. Ask them, am I appetizing? Where was I? Okay, so <laughs> you realize a spouse you're looking at that you might have been lately complaining about, arguing with, taking for granted. Don't act like that doesn't happen in your marriage. You know you're married when you've lost appetite. Why don't you look at them and realize they're with you because God gave them to you. Someone out here in this world today is widowed and would do anything to have their spouse back in their bedside. Someone here is divorced that wishes they can get back to that marriage. There's some people out here right now, listen, if you don't like your spouse, there are plenty of people that will take them from you. Mm Mm-hmm. Stop thinking like they deserve you. That's a gift and a blessing from God. Some of you, and I'll close with this one, this is a big one. You've lost your appetite for God. And I'm not saying just because you're here in church today and you're worshiping and you're listening to the sermon and you come here like yesterday, today, and forever and you're loyal and you have a routine with God, you read your Bible, you pray, you worship, you listen to podcasts, you download sermons, you study your Bible, you go to Bible study. That doesn't mean anything. I want to know if you have a natural desire to be in the presence of God or have you lost that appetite? Is it more exciting for you to sit down in front of a television set or in the Word of God? That's what I want to know. Is it more appealing to talk hours on the phone with someone than it is to pray? That's what I want to know. Is there more excitement to go out with people and go to the movies and go to the beach than to be in the presence of God? And do you see like just another routine? Do the words of the Bible not speak to you anymore? Does worship not move you anymore? Does the preaching today seem like just words? Have you lost your appetite? for God there is nothing worse when you get into the routine of God but you've lost your desire for him I'm here today to say that some of you here maybe all of us here in some area of your life you've lost 
your appetite. And you no longer see it as a blessing. You no longer see it. And God got angry. Why? I want to tell you this with love. If you've lost your appetite, don't blame anyone but yourself. Don't blame life. Don't blame your spouse. Don't blame God. Don't blame church. Don't blame anyone or anything. If you've lost your appetite, like the Israelites did, the very blessing of God, the manna that was once so exciting for them, now they just take it for granted and complain about it. Be careful that you don't take the blessings of God every day as something that's the same and you take for granted and it no longer wows or moves you and you kind of just complain about it. Everything you have in your life all around you is a blessing from God that you don't deserve. If you've lost your appetite, you can get it back again. You're saying, Pastor, how? It's simple. You have no one to blame but yourself. Can I blame you for a minute? Say, Pastor, blame me. Go ahead. All right. Are there any sensitive people in the room right now? You can get out. Save yourself. How many tough people do I have? You say, Pastor, bring it. Come on. Bring it to me. All right. I don't want emails from sensitive people. You know why you've lost your appetite? Say, why? Go ahead. Number one. You're ungrateful. Ouch. You're ungrateful. The very thing you're complaining about today, whatever it is, I guarantee it's something you should actually be giving God thanks for. And when Jesus grabbed that basket that the disciples said, it's not enough. Jesus got the same basket that wasn't enough. He looked up to heaven and the first thing he said was what? Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Why? Because those five loaves and two fish that weren't enough were actually five loaves and two fish more than what I had. And your life can be a whole lot worse. So wherever you're at right now, be grateful where you're at. See, when God gave... Thanks. When Jesus just gave thanks and God the Father heard that, it moved them to multiply and give him more. God has more. God can give you more, but he won't because you're ungrateful. Thank him for the church you're in. Thank him for the job you don't like right now. Thank Him for the spouse you want to leave. Thank Him for the kids. Thank Him for every day of your life. Be grateful because everything you have, you don't deserve. Thank you. Come on, say it. It's It's a tough word to say. Was that so hard? Thank you. Two, you want to know why you've lost your appetite? Say why. You don't trust God. Yes, I do. That's why I'm here. 
You don't trust God. God's not surprised when you just tell him, I, I, don't, I don't trust you. It's why Samson went with all these women. It's why Abraham cheated with his wife. It's why David did what he did. Why? They did not trust God to meet their needs. You need to trust God with your needs and surrender your wants to Him. But don't let your wants dictate you away from what you need. You got to tell God, I trust you with what I need. If I don't have it, it's because I don't need it right now. But Lord, I'm going to surrender my want. That's what Jesus did in the garden. Lord, I trust you with my knees, but this is what I want. Pass this cup from me. No? Okay. Trust them with what you need. Surrender what you want. My favorite people in the Bible are Esau and Jacob. I relate, I'm a twin. Esau gave up his blessing. What a crazy... You know what it is to give up your blessing inheritance? You know why he did it? He was hungry. How stupid. Hungry. An evil twin, Jacob, which I also relate to as Danny, just comes up. We're super, no, Esau and Jacob were different. Esau was like the hunter, the man. He was the one out in the woods, beard and everything. And Jacob, like today, he would have like a Pinterest account or something. He loved to be at home. He loved to decorate. He loved to be with his mom, whatever. And Jacob just sees his brother's hunger. Because some of you, you're hungry right now for something. And you know where the lie came? Esau said, brother, give me some of that stew. Or else I'm going to die. He wanted it so bad, he was willing to give up anything. That's when your wants become greater than your needs. And I prayed this morning and this came to my heart. But you see, if Esau would have just waited. Because he came home with some game. A deer or something. And if he would have just given his father that deer, his father would have prepared a greater meal than a stew. And I want to tell you something today for someone here. If you would just wait on God, he would prepare something far greater than any one you want right now. If you just wait on God, he can prepare something greater. But no, you need it now. I'm hungry now. And some of you are giving up the greatness of God's blessing for something temporary. Because the devil wants you to give up God's main course for a little appetizer. That's what stew is, is an appetizer. And you're giving up the main course for an appetizer 
So why have you lost your appetite? You're ungrateful. You don't trust God. Why have you lost your appetite? Last one, you ready? I've had two people walk out already. This is a tough one. You ready? You're prideful. Don't act all humble. Why are you complaining? Because you feel you deserve more. That's entitlement, isn't it? What's entitlement? It's pride. And in your pride, you feel like you can bring change to your life. Are you God right now? Change belongs to God. Not you. And they were just three days away. Stop trying to bring change to the same situation and wait on God to change it for you. And be grateful for where you're at. Be grateful for where you stand. Because everything you have in your life is a blessing from God. And when you give Him thanks for that blessing, He can multiply it. And when you trust God with your needs, you no longer worry about your wants. And if you humble yourself and say, Lord, I can do nothing about this change. Only you can. You change it when you're ready. If they would have waited three more days, God would have changed that whole thing that was just the same for them. But they sacrificed their main course for a little appetizer, quail. Quail is not even that good. Come on. Let's pray today. You're here today and you're saying, God, there's a grave because I crave. I want more. I'm tired of the same. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to call you to stand. I want you to be alone with God today. If you've lost your appetite for God right now, if you've lost your appetite for life, if you've lost appetite in your marriage, if you've just lost desire altogether because you're so constantly comparing yourself to something or someone and you want more and your wants have become greater than your needs and right now what God has blessed you with, you have taken for granted because you're prideful and you don't want to admit that that you feel like you deserve better, you deserve change, you deserve nothing from God. Everything you have from the breath in your lungs to the sight in your eyes is a gift from God. Don't you waste it on your little wants and don't let the devil convince you that what happened yesterday is the same today because it's going to be like this forever. God can bring change to your life in a minute, but you have to pass the test of same. Maybe you're not where you're supposed to be right now. But you got desperate. And you're way ahead of yourself. And God has something greater for you, but you are sacrificing it for an appetizer. Jesus said in John 6.35 that he is the living bread, referring to the manna. 
said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. Jesus says, the only thing that will meet your needs and your wants and your satisfaction is me, Jesus. You come to me when you're hungry. It's not a job that you need. It's not a spouse that you need. It's not kids that you need. I love what Esau said here. Esau told his brother, give me your stew or I'm going to die. You're not going to die if you don't have that. The devil wants you to think you have no purpose, no worth, and you're going to die if you don't get married. I'm going to die if I don't have kids. I'm going to die if I don't have that house. I'm going to die if I don't have that promotion. And I'm just dying for that. You're not dying because Jesus already did the dying for you. So you humble yourself and say, Lord, forgive me for being ungrateful. Forgive me for not trusting you. Forgive me for my pride. And help me to be more grateful for where I'm at. I deserve nothing. And I think that when God hears that, it moves him to move you. And change happens. Father, in Jesus' name, forgive us. everything is the same and we've lost our appetite we've lost our desire and we're so caught up in what we don't have that we have forgotten about what we do have Father I pray you humble us help us to trust you with what we need and surrender to you what we want. Forgive us for whining and complaining and help us to wait. Forgive us, Lord, for sacrificing our main course for an appetizer. And Father, if you wanted us to have more, you would have do so. So it means that where we're at right now is where we need to be. Help us to embrace it, to give you thanks for it. And Lord, when you're ready, you move us. You change us. Help us with this routine of life. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Give him a shout of praise if you're here today. Amen.